Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church. We're glad you can worship with us during this Christmas series that we're calling Good News, Great Joy. Hey, one of the uh, interesting lines and the carols that we sing during this season is, The Weary World Rejoices. And don't you feel like the world is a little weary right now? I mean, it is hard going. It's like walking through the mud and trying to get from one place to the other. Man, if you're a parent uh, with kids whose school schedule keep changing, if you're running a business or leading an organization, you know, we are praying for you during this season. If you or someone you know or love is dealing with a COVID or an illness, this is a hard time. To celebrate. And for those of you that have lost loved ones, we know that the holidays can be particularly challenging. And on top of all that, there's all of the noise that's happening. And doesn't it feel like the noise is just deafening? The busyness of the season, the advertisers, the newscasters, all yelling at us and shouting. Well, this morning, we want to share with you a way how you can, in the craziness of this time, And over this particular Christmas, turn down the noise and be able to celebrate, to be able to have great joy through this season. The Christmas season is about peace on earth as we look at this good news and this good will towards men. In this particular series, we're looking at the very first Christmas, which was also a hard Christmas. It was also a really challenging time for everybody involved. I mean, just ask Mary. She had to ride on a donkey while she was pregnant. Just ask Joseph, who had to move his whole family from one town to another. Talk about government overreach, making them move places during this crazy time, during this crazy season. There are angels and shepherds trying to tend their flock and and just in one interruption after another, and they, yet they had some great news where they were able to celebrate in great ways. We are looking at the Christmas story, the first Christmas story, through the eyes of those who were actually there. And today we're going to see three ways, or three lessons that we can learn before Christ comes. Three things that will help us as we prepare for our Christmas, just like they prepared for the very first Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read the Christmas story together with us, and we're going to cover the story of a particular character who wasn't in the manger at Bethlehem, but yet was attached to this story in an incredible way. If you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, if you remember in a Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus comes out on the platform and he quotes the Christmas story. Well, he quotes from Luke chapter 2. And what we're going to look at are the verses that come up before that famous quote, before we get to that place where Mary gave birth to baby Jesus in a manger. And we want to see kind of the introduction to the story and there's some characters that played 
a really powerful part. And if you weren't able to join us last time, you can jump back to branchlife.church and check out last week as we talked about the Christmas story through the eyes of the wise men. And they taught us that there are so many worshipers of God and we get to join in to that worship. Today, we're going to look at a character named Zachariah. And he had a powerful part in the preparation of Jesus coming that's going to be encouraging to you and to me. So let's read some of these verses in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. And we're going to jump around a little bit so we have it up here on the screen for you as well. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to complete a narrative or a story of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. This is Luke telling you why he is writing this book. And he's saying there are lots of people that have seen incredible things and they have written down the story of what they, they've seen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had seen the story and learned the story of Jesus' birth. Joseph and Matthew, they heard it from uh, Mary's own mouth, what happened and what the story was. And Luke is saying that others have written this story and that he's going to write about it too. It seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught, that you can know that this story is certainly true, that you don't have to have any doubt about it. That's why Luke writes his book. And it's an incredible book. If you've never read through Luke, I encourage you to do it. As we go on with the, with the account, Luke starts off, and the first character he talks about is Zechariah. He says this, There was a priest named Zechariah, and he had a wife, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. While he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. All right, so we're not a part of the Hebrew tradition. So what does this mean to be a priest who had a lot and it was his turn to serve and he went and burned incense while everyone was praying? Well, Zechariah was a priest who served at the temple. And this is the temple where he served, a magnificent structure. It had gates and courtyards on the outside. And as you move closer and closer to the main structure in the temple, you move closer and closer to the presence of God, according to the Hebrew tradition. And the priests took care of this temple. Zechariah's order served at the temple two weeks out of the year. And he was on duty this year. It was his two weeks. And there was a holiday. There was a spiritual uh, moment that was being marked. And it was this holiday of incense. And so people had gathered all around this temple, all around these courtyards, multitudes of people, and they were praying, and it fell on Zechariah to go inside the holy place, not the most holy place, but the holy place, by himself to offer incense. And in the Old Testament, incense represents the prayers of God's people. The smoke is going up to the throne of God. 
It was a powerful and a special role. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, surrounded by prayers, he praying himself as he went into this holy place and laid down the incense. It's important that you understand the setting of this particular scene because something incredible is going to happen that's preparing the way for Jesus to be born. As we continue reading in Luke chapter 11, And there appeared to him, Zechariah, an angel of the Lord. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear your son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Here's this incredible event. Zechariah is by himself in the holy place, offering up incense. He's putting the logs on the fire so that the smoke would go up, right? And his prayers were answered. An angel appeared to him in that moment, the angel Gabriel, to give him, ready for it? Good news. He's bringing him good news. And he starts by saying, your prayers have been answered. The prayers that, that Zechariah himself prayed, that Elizabeth prayed, had been answered. And remember, in this moment, there are all kinds of prayers going up through the holiday of incense. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. All right? So he's like, all right, Mr. Angel, who appeared out of nowhere, I'm an old guy. How are we going to have kids? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. In this story, that line is a powerful line. For anyone who stands in the presence of God has access to the power of God and is speaking the words of God. This angel Gabriel is saying, God can do this. God's presence is represented in this moment. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. So here it is. Here's the moment. Here's the message that Gabriel is giving and that he is receiving. He's giving him the good news that your, your prayers have been answered. So in this moment, surrounded by incense, Zechariah is standing and receiving this message from Gabriel who represents the presence of God. He's being told that his greatest prayer, his greatest wish, his greatest desire is going to come true. It's a part of God's plan, yet he doubts the angel. And in Luke chapter 1 and verse 20, we're told, and behold, Gabriel says this to Zechariah, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. In this story, we're going to see Jesus through the prayers of a priest. We're going to see Jesus represented and we're going to talk about, when we come back from singing some incredible songs from the season, three lessons to learn leading up to the birth of Christ. And I think that as we see Jesus through this priest story, we will be better prepared to celebrate and have great joy, even in this weary world. 
So let's sing together some of the great songs of the season, and then we'll learn these three lessons in just a few moments. Hey guys, welcome back. The songs of the season, man, they already make you feel a little bit better. Remember, today we're talking about the weary world rejoicing, and we're going to see Jesus through the eyes or through the prayers of a priest. We've looked at Zachariah's story, and we want to see from this story three lessons that we can learn leading up to Christmas. You're getting a little bit more excited, and I'm sure your kids are, about what's going to happen at Christmas. I don't know if your house looks like mine, but in the corner of my bedroom, there is an ever-growing mountain of Amazon boxes. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they get there. I just know that every time I go into that corner, there's less and less space for me because these boxes are mounting up. And I'm told that there's relatives and family members that are sending presents for Christmas, and that's where they are right now. So we're starting to anticipate Christmas. It has been an incredibly challenging year, and, and we've all been looking forward to be able to celebrate something. What, what can we do now to prepare for Christmas? What can we do in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of all the noise, to celebrate this Christmas the best way we can? What does God have for you in the next few weeks ahead? Well, let's look at these three lessons that we're going to be learning as we lead up to Christmas. And as we get ready to do this, remember the verse says in Luke chapter 1 and 18 that the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. So these three lessons are all about the good news that we have in our lives and how we can react and how we can have great joy because of the news specifically of Christmas. Christ has come. He's here to save the world and to save mankind, and he's bringing peace on earth and goodwill to men. So what's our first lesson? Lesson number one. Amazing things happen when we pray. Man, this is an incredibly important statement, and you see this in spades in Zechariah's story. Remember, Zechariah was a priest. He was there at a special holiday of incense. He had the special job to offer the incense in the holy place. The whole temple was surrounded by a multitude of people praying. And when uh, these people came, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn the incense. And the whole multitude were praying outside at this special hour of incense. In the book of Luke, we're going to see that amazing things happen when you pray. It seems like all through this story and all through the coming stories in the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, in the life of the disciples, that when there was prayer, it was often followed by something amazing. And in this moment, Zechariah finds himself alone, yet surrounded by a multitude. He's offering the incense, and what's the amazing thing that happens to him? It says this, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. An angel appears in the middle of the room, surrounded by this incense, and he says, Your prayers have been answered. God's going to do an incredible miracle, and you, even though you are old, you're going to have a baby. And they're going to have to call him John. Now let me explain a little bit why Zachariah and Elizabeth were chosen to have their prayers answered because John is going to prepare the way. He is going to lead the way for Jesus. Right around the birth of Jesus, 
John was born. When Jesus was growing up, John was growing up. And before Jesus began his earthly ministries, where you read about the miracles in his life, John had come before and had started proclaiming in the wilderness that the Lamb of God was here. He was the leader. He was the announcer. He was the forerunner to Jesus. And he, he too, was a, a miracle child. He was gifted to this blameless and upright man, Zechariah, and his wife who loved God. And they served God forever for it, with their whole lives. And they, they, they prayed to God and they had faith in God and they were chosen to be able to give birth to John. They had prayed and their prayers were answered. For me, when I read this story, I remember for my wife and I, our first seven years of marriage, we didn't know if we'd be able to have kids. We got married as in the, our early 20s and we're just young and in love and excited about life and we talked about what the future holds and we said hey, at some point we're going to have kids and we're going to be excited about that and a few years went by and no kids and, and that's all right and we'll have them someday and, and then we finally said hey let's try to have some kids and, and then a few more months would go by and, and no kids and we, we traveled uh, for months and for years down a road where we battled infertility. We had what the doctors called undiagnosed or unexplainable infertility. We should be able to have kids. We just don't know why you're not. And so our story is a story of prayer because God had planted in our hearts a, law, a deep desire to have a family, a deep desire to have our own kids. Yet, year after year, God's answer was no. And so we would read stories in the Bible like Hannah in Samuel where she would pray year after year for a child and finally God blessed her, her, heard her and answered her prayers and she was able to have a baby. We would read this story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and even at an old age they were having a baby and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting older but God can still do this. God can still allow us to have a child if we want. And I remember how fervent our prayers came. And some of the hardest days and some of the, the, the worst days where there was the most tears, where there was the most pain, were the days where we prayed the hardest. Where our prayers, like an incense, rose from our home into the throne of God. And we said, God, we know you can. Would you? Now for us, after much help, and after, after much exploration and much encouragement, God did answer this prayer. And we know that that's not true for everyone. But in our journey, we were able to have our firstborn Delaney. And then four years later, later after going through some similar procedures, we were able to have a son named Will. And we were blessed with these two children. Because we believe that something amazing happens when you pray. And when you pray, it's not that you always get what you want, but what you when you get what God wants, it's always amazing. At Branch Life Church, we've had a consistent prayer ministry. We believe that prayer is the first thing that we should do as a new church. We encourage everyone to be involved in prayer, and we call it our Prayer First initiative. As a matter of fact, you can get a Prayer First journal from us if you'd like us. Just let us know on the comment card, and we'd love to get you a digital or physical copy in your hand. And we have built from day one a prayer team. Our goal is to have a thousand people on that prayer team who receive an email every couple of weeks 
going through what our prayer needs are as a church, and we pray for certain things. Since the beginning of that prayer uh, email, that prayer group, we have over 180 people who are signed up to receive, excuse me, over 850 people who are signed up to receive that regular prayer update. And in those emails are always these seven requests. These are the seven requests that we know God can do amazing things through. These don't change. These are the things that are ongoing and long-term for us. And since the beginning of the church, since the launch of that prayer team, all of the rest is history. And why is God moving? And why is God building? And how is this happening? And why are all the things that the church is doing possible? It's possible first because God does amazing things when you pray. And so we believe that a church and a Christian should be, must be dedicated to prayer because that's where power comes from. Here's what we've been asking God. We've been asking God for open hearts to the gospel. We want to see people in our communities, in, through our websites, through our online services, through our relationships, have open hearts to the gospel. They go from not believing to believing. And we want to see people who are ready to hear the good news. So would you pray with us? For our church and for yours, that our neighbors, our friends, and our communities would have open hearts to the gospel. If 2020 has done anything, it's opened hearts to the gospel. People are ready to receive the good news of Jesus like never before. They know that they need something else other than what they have so that there is hope. And God is actively opening hearts to the gospel. We've been asking for everyone to pray about their role in planting or in building Branch Life Church. What's your role? What are your gifts? What are your abilities? What do you bring to the body? For our prayer team members, their role is prayer. And it's super important. For our worship team members, they lead us in worship. For the people that take care of kids, for those that are involved in our community efforts and outreach, we all have a role. Whether it's giving, whether it's leading, whether it's serving, whether it's providing, whether it's preaching, we all have a role. And we've seen people come together in helping renovate the building and helping provide uh, uh, in our community connections, giving and, and uplifting those that, that have a specific needs in our community over and over and over again. And God keeps using people who are praying about their role in planning a church. We pray for the multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches. That's why we were thrilled when Pastor Corey stepped out of Branch Life Church to become a lead pastor at another church. We believe that God's multiplying leaders and allowing him to serve, and we are excited about what God's doing next. We pray for spiritual protection for all connected to Branch Life Church. The last thing that the enemy wants is a church to be on fire for God and making an impact in their community. They, Satan does not want new churches to build or grow. So we need this spiritual protection for everybody involved. And we ask God to do our spiritual battle for us. Our, our sixth request is positive relationships with our community and its leaders. And man, God's been answering this request in incredible ways in 2020. And we've made more connections and been able to serve side by side with our community members and with our leaders in ways that we could have never imagined. Why? How? What, what happened to make that possible? It's been something that we have prayed every week since the beginning of our church. And we ask for God to provide for the financial and the facility needs of the church so we can do what he wants us to do when he wants us to do it. Why do we do this? Why are we committed to these prayers? Why do we build a prayer time? Why do we pray first? Because something amazing happens when you pray.
How are you doing in the season leading up to Christmas? How is your spirits? How is your, how is your mind? How are your emotions? Listen, pray more and see something amazing happen. See something amazing happen as a parent for your kids in this pandemic. See something amazing happen through your church, through this season. See something amazing happen with those that you work with in the neighborhood where you live. You'll see something amazing happen when you pray. And so as we lead up to Christmas, one of the most powerful things that you can do in preparation for the celebration is pray. Spend time in prayer. That's what Zachariah showed us. He was a man of prayer and God did something amazing and used him. The second thing that we see in this story is that we need to stop the noise so that we can hear God's voice. We need to stop the noise so we can hear God's voice. One of the coolest Christmas gifts I got was last Christmas when my wife surprised me with noise-canceling headphones. And the reason she did that was because I was working from home. And we have kiddos, remember the blessings that we prayed for, running around our house always making noise. And I can't study and I can't get things done when I'm getting distracted constantly. She got me these amazing noise-canceling headphones and I stick those bad boys on and man, I am focused. Now, 2020 has been full of noise and we're moving into this Christmas season and it seems like everything is loud and it's a constant bombardment. Do you know what the problem with all of this noise is? is it drowns out the good news. Often we are so distracted by the screaming and the yelling in this world that we can't hear the still small voice of God, that we can't even hear the multitude of angels when they're singing and rejoicing and praising and glorifying God. We're so distracted, we're so busy, we're so worried and anxious that we are just have this noise in our head and in our ears and in our lives. And in this Christmas season, it may be more important than ever to stop the noise so we can hear God's voice. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 20 and 21, it says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be filled with their time. You see, even Zechariah was distracted by the noise. I mean, think about it. He had a job to do. He had incense to burn. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He was at, old, at end of old age, and here comes the angel in the midst of all this commotion when all these prayers are being offered up, and he's trying to make sure that he gets it all right and all done, and the angel says, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a baby, and Zachariah says, let me give you the top 10 reasons why I'm not going to have a baby, Mr. Angel, who appeared out of nowhere. I'm old. Elizabeth old. Old people don't have babies. You don't know what biology is like. And he just starts listing all the arguments against what God is trying to tell him to do. We do this all the time. We fight with God when we think we know better than God knows. When we hear about God's plan, but our plan is the way that we need to go. God, this is why that's not going to work and how this shouldn't happen. And I can't follow that and I don't believe that and you can't really mean that. And we just start arguing and bantering and, and, and yelling with God. I know he said to love my neighbor, but that guy is a horrible person and I just can't love that guy. And it's just as ridiculous. I know you said to forgive, but you don't know what that person has done. And how much that they deserve this. And, and, and I know that you said submit, but I'm not going to be, I, I've got to fight back and I'm going to fight my own battles. And I know you said you'd fight for me, but I'm going to be the one that. 
And in this moment, the angel says to Zechariah, shut your mouth. You got to knock it off. He, if, he, if it wasn't rude, he probably would have told him to shut up and sit down. Like, be quiet and listen. And this was such an important moment that the angel said, God's going to force you to be quiet. And for the rest of the pregnancy, for at least nine months, Zachariah, a priest, mind you, wasn't able to say a word. He was forced to be still and know he was God. I want you to look at the, the chorus of the song that we're singing together as a church during this series, the love song, which combines Midnight Clear and Love Song. In the second verse, there's a powerful stanza that says this, Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. The angels are showing up with their wings open. And still their heavenly music flows through all the weary world. The angels showed up on that first Christmas and they presented themselves to this weary world, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. They were singing songs of praise to God. And what did man do? And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise and cease the strife and hear the angels sing. Man at war with man, brother fighting with brother, Democrat arguing with Republican, husband yelling at wife, children arguing with mom and dad, Man at war with man. When we are surrounded by this noise, we cannot hear the voice of God. And so God says to you and to me that we need to hush the noise. We need to, in this moment, turn down the volume as we lead up to Christmas so we can hear God's voice. So how do we do it? I'm ready for peace. I'm ready to hush the noise. Let me give you three suggestions, but you can probably come up with more of these in your small group or as a family. How do we hush the noise? How do we be still? Number one, turn off screens. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Let's turn them off, mom and dad. Let's turn them off, teenager. We need less screens and more eye contact. And the way that you're going to, the, what you're going to immensely approve on if you turn off your screens are two things. You're going to have less news. In a world of 24-hour news, and it's always bad, and there's always an emergency, and there's always something else to worry and panic about, let's just turn it off. I'm not saying ignore the world, but let's not watch it all day, every day, or even every day. Less news and less notifications. Just the other day, my daughter, who does not have a phone yet, has an iPad and it's connected to Kids Messenger. And the iPad was on one side of the room and she was on the other side of the room and it wasn't even screen time in our home, but the Kids Messenger notification ding went off. And you would have thought that someone yelled gold on the other side of the room. Like this little girl shot up from whatever she, I have no idea what she was doing, ran to that iPad and grabbed it to see what was going on with this little notification. Do you know that your phone notification causes you to look at your phone screen hundreds of times a day? One of the most powerful things that you can do in your technology to lessen screen time is to turn off your notifications. But what if? But what if? They will be fine. Use it when you want to, not when it wants you to. 
And if you turn down the screens, if you turn off the screens, you will begin to lower the noise. You can also end the war with others. Let's have man stop fighting with man because peace on earth, it starts with you. It's time for you to forgive. It's time for you to let go. Stop trying to win every battle. And this is hard for those of us that are like eights, right? And, and have a strong sense of justice. And we want to go out into this world and we want to make it right and make it good. Listen, stop the war. Stop the war and love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive those that, are, that have hurt you. Let it go. Well, how do I do that? Prayers of incense to God, and God will do something amazing when we pray. Let God fight your battles for you. You don't have to, and let peace on earth strain. Man, somebody needs to hear this. There's somebody who's listening to this, and, and, and you need to hear me say to you, stop the war. Stop the fighting. Let it go. Forgive, and, and just move on and move past it, and let the relationship be restored so that man can be at peace with man, so the noise can be turned down. If you're spending a lot of time and a lot of effort in a battle with somebody else, in a battle with some organization or thought or, or any battle of any kind, maybe it's you that needs to hear the message today, stop the war. And another way that we can hush the noise is we can speak less and listen more. Hey, in this day and age, we love to talk. Uh, People like to hear their own voices, and we've gotten very bad at the beautiful art of asking questions and listening to the answer. Asking a question, allowing somebody else to answer that question. If you're going out on your first date, and I know that there's some people are connected in, to our church, over this next holiday season, get good at asking questions and let the other person answer them. It's amazing what happens when we speak less and we listen more. Speak less to God and listen more to God. Speak less to your spouse and listen more to your spouse. Speak less to your kids and listen more to your kids. And kids, speak less to your parents and listen more. It works. It's a beautiful way to turn down the noise and to allow ourselves to be still and know that He is God. And in these next days leading up to the Christmas celebration, allow yourself to have scheduled, intentional moments where you can just be be still where you can just be in the presence of God that happens when you gather with your church on Sundays whether it's in person or online that happens when you worship together as a family that happens in these quiet moments where it is just you and God turn down the noise and be still and the third thing that we see from the story and the last thing that we'll cover is number three use your words to add praise not noise so if I'm going to speak less that still means there's going to be times when I speak so when I speak how should I use my words well Luke chapter 2 gives us a great example of this and the best ways that you can use your words at Christmas is prayer praise and silence I want to encourage you as we move forward in this Christmas season to only say things that build up, to only post things that allow other people to be encouraged, to only say those things that add to the conversation. It says in Timothy that we should, as Christians, only use words that build other people up. And so we can do that through praise. We can praise and we can thank God instead of being complaining and upset for the situation that we're in. 
Through the prayers of incense, we allow God to fight our battles. We then praise God and praise the other people around us. And then if we have nothing good to say, then let's just go back to the silence and to be still before God. What we need during this Christmas season is we need more cheering and less complaining. We need more cheering and less complaining. Listen, it is not hard to find things to complain about at work, at your church, with your family, because of what's going on in this world. But it is far better to be a cheerleader than it is to be a complainer. I am so deeply encouraged by those that come up to me as a pastor and say, hey, I just say, I want to encourage you with these words. Or I want to thank you for, or that was a great moment, or that was a good thought, or that was a, a, a kind gesture. But the opposite is also true. It is incredibly deflating to be constantly fielding complaints from people who think it should have been done differently or better or another way. It is so much easier to complain than it is to cheer. And in this story, what God is showing us as we lead to a celebration, that celebrating people, people who celebrate, people who hear good news and then have great joy, become cheerleaders first. We celebrate first. And when we are able to speak, we are able then to praise. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 11 through 15, it said this, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. Here's the good news. And then what's going to happen as a part of the good news? As we get ready for Jesus to come, you're going to cheer. You're going to have praise, and many will rejoice. At the end of Zechariah's story in Luke chapter 1 and verse 63, it says, Now time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. All right, it's been nine months, and he asked for a writing tablet, and Zechariah could still not speak. And he wrote, his name is John, just like the angel asked him to. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth, Zechariah's mouth, was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. What does Zechariah do with his first words? What does he do with his first words in months and months and months and months? He speaks blessing to God. He praises God with his words. As we look at the coming of Christ through the prayers of a priest, we can be challenged today to use our words to speak blessings, to be able to encourage others and lift other people up as we prepare for the celebration of Christ. Would you reach out to somebody this week and encourage them? Would you use your words to cheer someone on? Will you go out of your way to speak kindly, to post kindly, to allow others to be celebrated in this season? Why? Because Jesus is about to be born. Because Jesus is to be celebrated. Because God is on the move. Because amazing things happen when we pray. Because God speaks to us and we hear his voice when we turn down the noise. So I am able then to use my words to join the celebration of who God is, of what he is doing, even in the midst of the weariness of this world. I want to thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this conversation today. If you're ready to hear more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, at branchlife.church slash the gospel, we explain what it means to be a follower of God, 
how you can know and hear God's voice as your own. If you don't know about your personal faith in Jesus, would you go to this website and hear more about that? If you are, are uh, joining us for the first time or you're here with us every time, please go and fill out your connection card and uh, let us know how we can pray for you, what has been an encouragement to you, and maybe that could be a place where you do some cheering as we celebrate what God is doing for all of us in this season. And again, I want to say to you, in just a couple of days, you're going to be getting information, if you haven't already, about our special virtual Christmas event. And during the week of Christmas, we are releasing a Christmas event that you can tune into anytime your family is celebrating Christmas. You can invite your family members to be a part of, and you're going to hear the story of Christmas. You're going to hear some of the great Christmas songs of the season and allow yourselves to have a celebration moment that points to the real meaning of Christmas. Hey, COVID is trying to steal Christmas, but in our special virtual Christmas event, you're going to learn that nobody can stop Christmas. Others have tried, and they've learned lessons that we can learn. So bring the kids, gather the family, and join into this virtual Christmas Eve celebration, and it'll be a great way to share the gospel with your friends and family during this holiday, and a great way to celebrate together this year. Guys, we want to encourage you to join us next week as we go into our third episode uh, excuse me, our third episode of Good News, Great Joy. Pastor Scott's going to be talking to you about the, uh, the uh, Christmas through the eyes of Mary, and he's the perfect one to bring you that presentation because Pastor Scott and Brooke just had a baby themselves. And so they, more than anyone knows, about birthdays, especially the first birthday. So next Sunday is Christmas Sunday, and we hope that you'll join us for this special week that we gather together and celebrate the good news of Jesus' birth, and we have great joy together. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great rest of your day.